Let's write down this question. I don't know if you've ever been asked this, but um, I just think it's a cool question. I got an I got email every once in a while by, uh, by a pastor that I, that I uh, follow his ministry, and I'm blessed a lot by him. I don't know if many of you are familiar with James McDonald. And um, maybe you guys have received something similar uh, this week, so you kind of know where I'm coming from, but I changed it up a lot and how God spoke to my heart in regards to James McDonald. But uh, one of his emails that he sent out, it says this, who do you think you are? And that just stuck to me, you know? Who do you think you are? Because I opened that and I was like, well, what the heck does James want to tell me, you know? Who do you think you are? That's really interesting. And, and, and today I want to talk about that. Uh, and if you're taking notes, write that down. Who do you think you are? And, and I don't know if anyone's ever told you that and how you felt if anyone's ever asked you that question, but that's a very interesting question, you know? That question can mean many things, many things. Imagine if I go up to you and I just look at you right in the eyes and I say, who do you think you are? <laughs> what would you do, right? I'll be scared of what some of you guys might do. What would you say? How would you, how would you react to that, huh? Who do you think you are? Good. That's kind of my preaching today. She said that she'll look around and goes, I think I'm amazing. And hopefully she'll ask me back, well, who do you think you are? And, and that's kind of what I want to answer today and kind of want to just touch up on. Who do you think you are? That question can mean so many things, have so many tones, right? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Okay, there's so many tones. And the reaction to that question, depending on the context of it, can vary. You know, outside of God, absent of Christ in our lives, absent of Christ in our lives, I know, like, I know, guys, that we are weak, right? Can, how many of you can say amen? Okay, I know we are weak, we are frail. I know he calls me in Scripture worm. I don't know if you've ever read that Scripture, but he does multiple times. And many other things are said of humanity to describe who we are absent of Jesus Christ. We get it. We are sinners. We're worthy of death. We have wicked, deceitful hearts. We're lustful, prideful beings, to just name a few things. And it would be awkward to say how many of you could say amen right now. But, but yes, that's who we are, and we get that. So if I were to ask you, who do you think you are? You know, I wonder how you would answer that. I wonder how you would answer that. You know, the way you answer that is the way you view yourself. And that's the truth. And the way that you view yourself is what you've created to be your identity. And I want to talk about that today. Because the truth is that sometimes our identity, what we see and what we say about ourselves, is not the same as God sees and what God says about us. And we automatically have identified ourselves to be this person. And God says, really? Because that's not who I see when I look at the same mirror that you see. How many of you could say amen to that? So we end up living in a false identity that was created by us or even by others and others' opinions of us. Rather than being created by the one who is creator and who has ordained our identity for us who do you think you are Let, let's ask that question a little bit differently what do you think about yourself that's a little bit more real isn't it when you think about yourself what, what comes out of those thoughts out of that question because for some of us that's too difficult to answer because there's too many skeletons, there's too many failures. If you search deep enough, my goodness, the stuff that you'll find in there. Forget that. Some of you are like, you don't even have to search deep. Right at the surface. Right there, there's some things, some dark sins, some problems. And those things that we've been holding, those things that we've been carrying, those things that we are believing in, it makes us think that that's who we are at times. And whenever you don't want to think you know, that there's any kind of positive in you. you. What do you do? Like, I can't find any positive. This is all I see. It's the this, this stuff that's inside of me or the stuff that I keep acting out on. You know what that does to us? It begins to backtrack us. Because all that we can think about within ourselves is the stuff that we've created that God might have already actually freed us from and forgiven us of. How many of you could say amen to that? I'm not the stuff that God's forgiven me of. I'm not the person that God's freed me from. 
And those things, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this. And if you're writing notes, you could write this. Have I created in me something that Christ has already carried for me? Have I created something that Christ has already carried? And that's the question, and, and that's what I want you to ask yourself. What are you carrying inside of you? And what are you recreating in you? That God's like, I took that, and I carried that for you. Hey, how many of you could testify that God has carried some things already for you that you created, right? Right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this. Ready? Message says it this way. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so that we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. Look what it says. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep, I actually highlighted this, with no idea who you were or where you were going. That was me. I'm sure that was many of us. But now you are named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. That's encouraging to me. I mean, trust me, I could, I'll cut myself, but that's encouraging. Because I am kept and I am held by the shepherd of my soul. You got to know a shepherd's role and, and, and why that's so important. So I look at this and I say, wow, you know, I didn't know. I, I had no idea who I was or where I was even going. And I know, man, that there are some of us in here that we had no idea who we were and we had no idea where we were going and you might be sitting here today and you still might feel like you have no idea who you are or no idea where you might be going and, and, and here is this message just for you today and I read this and I say, man, now I get to read this and see that I am named and I am kept by the shepherd of my soul. So let's ask this question again, ready? Who do you think you are? Want to make it fun? Tap the person next to you and just look at them and say, who do you think you are? It's awkward. Yeah, thank you for participation, Great. Some of you guys just look at this. This church is supposed to be, at least be a little happy. Woo. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> All right. Truth is, I once didn't know. But I know now who I am. James in the email says this. All that you do in life flows from who you are. Every choice you make, every struggle, struggle you face, every wound you carry, and every struggle to leave behind, all of it grows out of one thing. It grows from your identity. Identity is the very foundation of your life. So now I read second, uh, what is it I read? Second Peter, First Peter 2.24. And here's the truth, guys. Now we are identified to Christ. And we are identified in Christ. Write that in your notes so you don't ever forget that your identity is found in Jesus. And that's good for me. I need my identity to be found in Jesus. Because my, if, if my identity is found in myself, I'm in a lot of trouble. Hey, listen to this. I hold the last name Figueroa and I don't care. My father's here. But if my identity was held under that last name, my family name, I'm in a lot of trouble. How many of you could say, yeah? But what's beautiful about Scripture is it's found in and through and with Christ Jesus our Lord. Not to ourselves, not to our old patterns of living. Uh, you know, Acts chapter 4 is, is a great remembrance of this. Remember Acts chapter 4? Peter and John? They start walking around, they go to the temple, there's a blind beggar begging by the side of the road. What do they do? They, begin, they heal the man, the guy gets up. He can walk again. It's an amazing scene. They get into trouble because they heal this beggar. And they get into trouble because they begin to preach Jesus and his death and his resurrection. And they preach Jesus' death and resurrection. In Acts chapter 4, they preach it in the temple. So the religious leaders are mad. For preaching Jesus as Christ in resurrection and for healing this beggar. But what wows me about Acts chapter 4 is this. It says that all the people that were accusing Peter and John, the people that were present there watching the accusations being made. Man, that's good because accusations, we could look at that and use identity to play with that. But, but you catch the revelation there. 
They looked and they heard, and it says that they were amazed. All the men were amazed. Why? Because they saw their boldness. It doesn't end there. It says in, in Acts 4 and verse 13, it says that these men could see that they were ordinary men. Ordinary men, but that they had been with Jesus. Makes it totally different now. They were your common folk, ordinary Peter and John. But something different that everyone was amazed about. They had a boldness and they saw that they were with Jesus. And that wowed the crowd. And that wowed the accused. You church, what made Peter and John so special? Because the true answer to that is not much. Peter and John, nothing special about them at all. Actually, scripture says that they were ordinary men and there was nothing special even about them because they weren't even students of the scriptures, they hadn't even studied the word of God. There was nothing special, they were ordinary. What happened to them was this they were recognized. Can I use another word? Which word do you think I'm going to use? They were identified. They were identified as men who had been with Jesus. Man, and I don't want to step on no one's toes because I know that's a touchy subject, but I know for a fact that not all of us go out into our little social bubbles and some of our friends and some of our families and some of the people that we do life with, they cannot even a drip identify a Jesus in you. How many of us are Amen. Right? But, but that's the truth. When they saw Peter and John, they identified in them that these are people of Jesus. They were ordinary with no special training in the scriptures, but yet their identity was seen in and their identity was seen through Jesus Christ. And that wild everyone. Not everyone was floored by that truth. Man, I hope that blesses you. I hope that convicts some of you. I hope that encourages others of you. I'm going to speak about an individual today. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel, verse 16. Once you're there, give me an amen. 1 Samuel 16. In 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to read verse 1. Just flow with me and catch it. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul, and I have rejected him as the king of Israel. So fill up your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man there named Jesse, who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replies, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. Because guys, listen, when a prophet came into a town, everyone trembled because it was very scary because he's going to bring, come and bring judgment. And, and everyone is freaking the heck out. Uh-oh, who's... Who will you speak God's wrath into? <laughs> so everyone's like, what is it me? Are you coming to my house today? And everyone is scared. Samuel showed up to Bethlehem. Just rolled right through Hialeah. <laughs> I was going to say something. Right now, but when you preach, the, you know, the, when, sometimes when you preach, the Holy Spirit says, shh, filter. Okay, yes. So they came trembling. They said, what's wrong? And they asked, do you, do you come in peace? Obviously, wrath. And Samuel said, yes. To purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel took a look at one of his sons, Eliab, and he said, surely this is the Lord's. What was Samuel doing? Come on, say the word. What was he doing? He was what? Identifying, right? Ah, oh, ding, ding, got him. Identity. Look at him. He's it. Eliab definitely is the Lord's anointed. Look how that guy walks. Look how he looks. Look how he talks. Look how strong. Look how smart. Look how... Surely Eliab. 
Surely he is the Lord's anointed. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance. Don't judge by his height. Praise the Lord for that. And all the little people say, Amen. Mm-hmm. Short people. I'm <laughs> playing. Here we go. Smile. He says, Don't judge his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. I've rejected him. That's weird to hear God say that, huh? I'll preach that another day. I've rejected him. So the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, he tells Samuel. Look what he says next. He says, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord, I look at the what? I look at the heart. You know, I read this passage, and I've read this passage, and I've preached on this passage so many times, and I've heard so many preachings from this passage, and every time I hear it, I can truly say I love how the Lord doesn't identify us the way others do. He doesn't look at me the way others look at me. You know, he, he looks at the situation and he tells Samuel, he's like, Sam, I don't see it the way that you see it. You see, people judge you for what they can see, but I judge for what people can't see, and that's good. That's good. Because I know that there are some brilliant people that outwardly look like they are it for the job. But God says no, because if you could only see the things that, no, that you can't see about that person, you would know why that, that's not the person for the job. And then there's some of you that walk into a room, it's clearly obvious by what we can see that you are not qualified and you are not the person for the job. And God looks at us and says, really? Because what you don't know is the things that I can see that you can't see that shows that they are the person for the job and they definitely are qualified. Oh my God. Who do you think you are? Sometimes it doesn't matter how you answer. Who do you think you are? See, people will put you in position because you do all that is right or you seem to be the right one for the job. But God tells Samuel, I'm different. You see, I position people not because of what they do or qualified they might be. Look at the condition of their heart and the possibilities of what I can draw out of them. And that's good. See, Eliab has everything pouring out, and that's all you see. But when you go deep down inside, there's not anything else. There's not much more in there. But there's another one that when he walks by, he doesn't look like he's pouring so much information and so much wealth and so much knowledge and so much might and so much strength and so much wisdom. But if you only knew the things that he does in the secret that I'm holding to a time to reveal it to a nation so that he could become their king. I just can't show everyone. Yeah, because people are not ready for it. Samuel, it's not Eliab. Keep looking. But God, it's got to be Eliab. Who really sees what others can't see? Samuel? Who is it? Because I know there's someone else out there that I could draw out some stuff from. And one may say Eliab. Is the perfect one, king. He has all that it takes, and the Lord says, "Nope." It's actually the scrawny little brother. It is the job because his heart is different than Eliab. His his heart long. People see you. God says, church, I see you a whole other way. And the truth is for some of us, you got ready today and you stood at the mirror and you got ready today and you saw the same husband. You got ready today and you saw the same wife. You got ready today and you saw the same children. And you'll get ready tomorrow and you'll see the same coworkers. And you'll get ready tomorrow and you'll have the same week. And, and, and then your weekend will come and you'll have the same kind of weekend. And you'll look at yourself and say, well, I guess that's who I am. And God just is shouting through the mirror. And looks at you and says, oh my God, if you only knew who I say that, I, that you are, my Lord. And we don't see that. And that's all we perfectly, like, we, we just build and create this, who, this is who I am. And, and God says, no, no. People see you one way, I see you another. I will bring something out of what others feel. There's nothing 
in them to draw anything out of. So who do you think you are? And that's what I want to tackle. Because when you answer that today, I want you to answer it differently because I want you to remember this and write this down. The Lord sees what others cannot see. And that truth alone Who do you think you are? And that's the truth. So the Lord sees what others can't see. So I start to think about that and I say, it doesn't matter then what people think I am. Or what I even think I am. When I read this passage, I get it. What matters is, it's who God says I am. Let's keep reading. I think we left off in verse 7. Is that true? Yeah. All right. It says in verse 8, Then Jesse told his son, Hey, anyone want to pronounce that name for me? Yeah, you guys are awesome. Abinadab. He told him to step forward and to walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. So next Jesse summoned, I don't know, what do you want to say, Shimea or Shimea? All right. And Samuel said, nope, it's not Shimei either. He's not the one that the Lord has chosen. Verse 10, in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And Samuel asked, are there any other of your sons left? Are these all the ones you have? And Jesse the dad says, oh, there is still the youngest. But he's out in the fields. He's watching the sheep. He's watching the goats. Guys, guys, do you recognize who Jesse says his son is? You know, some of us parents, who are we fooling, right? Oh, I know my child. He can't lie to me. You don't know anything. Your child's lying to your face. You know? I know every, I could just smell it in the air when they walk into the room. You don't know. They're smarter than you. If things change, technology changed. So what happens here is Jesse says, oh, that's, that's David. He's out in the field and he's watching sheep and who do you think you are? Who did Jesse think David was? Well, I'll tell you who he thought he was. Well, I'll tell you what he didn't think he was. He didn't think he was worthy to be the next king, that's for sure. He didn't think he had what it took. Actually, he was so ashamed of David that when he called all seven sons, he forgot to send the memo to his youngest. And he said, brothers, shh, don't tell your youngest brother. We don't want him to show up in front of Samuel. Because you know why, right? He always embarrasses us in front of people. And we don't want to embarrass the prophet of God. So, so what does he do? He presents all the sons. But he leaves the, the little shepherd boy outside. He doesn't even invite him to the party. Come on, how many of you have never been invited to the party? I have. It sucks. It stinks. It's horrible. I didn't get invited. You watch it on Instagram. You watch it on I didn't get invited. He didn't get invited to the party. He didn't even get told by his brothers. He ate dinner with them and breakfast with them and maybe even lunch with them every single day. And not one time did they ever tell him, oh, man, did you hear who's coming? Did you hear what's going to happen? Verse 11 says in another translation, it says, when Samuel asked Jesse, is this it? Are there any more sons? Jesse says this, well, yes. There's this runt. But he's out tending the sheep. He calls him a runt. The scrawny little runt, you don't want to see him, David. So Jesse says, send them to me. Samuel says, Jesse, send them to me at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. You want to know what's, men, men know this seriously, this mess, this right here. Because we don't like when food gets cold. And, and, and Samuel just said, either you bring him or this food is going to get cold. We're not going to sit down and eat until you bring your son so Jesse sends for him, 
He was dark. He was handsome. He had beautiful eyes. No one looked back and looked at Phil. I know Phil has beautiful eyes. I was like, Phil, you're David, bro. <laughs> Come on. How many of you read that? I was like, that's Phil. <laughs> I prepared my message and I said, Phil's David. Handsome, beautiful eyes. (laughs) And the Lord tells him, he says, this is him. This is the one, anoint him. Scrawny one, that that, that part's not Phil. The runts, that's definitely not Phil. So David stood there among the brothers, and Samuel took his oil that he had brought and anointed David with oil. If you only knew that it wasn't just like a drip of oil. If you only knew like he got poured on with oil. And if you only knew that there were seven older brothers there. And if you only knew that David just stood there smiling like a little scrawny runt that he is. Smelling with poop all over him because he's been out on the field with sheep. So he smells and he's sunburned. And he's dark. What do you think he's dark for, huh? He's got a lot of sun, man. And he's beautiful, handsome little kid. But he's a runt. Don't ever forget that. And he's there, and everyone's looking at him, and you know all the other brothers, just like Joseph's story the other week. And they're all just looking at him, and they're all just staring at him, and they're looking at him and saying, what the heck is going on here? And David's just smiling, like, look at this. This is so cool. And, 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 and he's getting anointed by the prophet, and we look at this, and, and, and you could just imagine the brothers, right, looking at them. And what are they saying to one another as they're poking at each other? And Eliab is looking at Shimea, and Shimea is looking at Abinadab, whatever the other guy's name was. And they're all looking at each other, and they look at David, and what do you think they tell him? David, David, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, David? <laughs> I'm getting bathed with oil. Who do you think you are? How did David answer that on that day, on that porch? As the meat was steaming from the plate. And the brother said, who do you think you are? I, I, I wrote this ready in my own notes. I said this. Oh, I'm sure he said this. Ready? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I think I am. This is little David telling his big brothers. But let me tell you who God says I am. I just became your next king. And I'm the future king of the nation of Israel. So I don't know who I think I am, brothers. But let me sit here for a little while and tell you what has just been revealed to me. And tell you who God says that I am. You might just bow down and serve me. So you better start treating me a little bit better. (laughs) You know David's walk changed, right? You know for a fact that David went from a scrawny, little, cute boy with light eyes, dark skin, but yet he was still a runt. You know that now when he attended the sheep, you know that he tended those sheep with power now. You know that when he walked into the dinner table and the brothers were all picking on him, he looked at all of them and said, King David from now on. You, you know for a fact that everything about David began to shift because something was revealed to him. He always thought that he was just the, the youngest brother, the, the son of Jesse that Jesse never paid attention to. He thought where I'm just going to be in the field with sheep and goat all day. What a career that is. When my brothers are taking care of the finances of dad's business and my other brother's going to take over the business and the other brother is branching out to go ahead and start up another business. But here I am in the field and all I'm called to do is take care of sheep and take care of goats you know for a fact that's what was going on and then one day everything that he thought he was going to be for the rest of his life was transformed was shifted his whole mind let me tell you something David was anointed king on this day but he did not become king this day and don't you ever forget about that anointing he was anointed king he didn't walk into the palace and become the next king but I promise you this Just because God's anointed you to something today and you haven't seen the fruit of it yet in the next few years, don't think that God's forgotten what he's called you to. Because some of us are like that. I've been anointed and I've been called. I know that, but I don't see anything yet, God. And God's like, neither did David. Neither did David. As a matter of fact, before David became king, after he got anointed, that's when he started to get death threats. And that's when people wanted to kill him. And that's when people began to become jealous of him. It didn't happen until after the anointing. But don't worry about it. David will get there. 
So who do you think you are, David? From that day on, he never forget. He probably struggled for many days. His thoughts of himself were, were probably not always good. But I know that he never forgot who God said he was. I, I'm going to prove it to you. And I want you to know that knowing who you are in Jesus and how much he loves you, it is the key to growing in spiritual maturity. And it is the first step to receiving all that God has for you. It starts with knowing who you are. So even when people ask you, who do you think you are? And you don't see the fruit of that yet? Confess. Say it. Speak who God says you are. Believe it for yourself. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 28, we're going to read from there. And I, wanna, I want you to see something that unfolds in David's life, which I think you're going to really catch this now. There's a war between Philistines and Israel. And they're out in the field and they're about to go to war. And David's father is like, go take some food to your brothers. Go take a, a cold glass of water, right? So he comes to the battleground, to the field where all the grown men are at. You've ever been in a table with some people and you feel like it's the grown men talking and you're just a little man listening to everything like, so David walks into the grown man's table. And in verse 28 of chapter 17, it says, When David's older brother Eliab, there he is again. When he heard David talking to the men, he was angry. And he tells David, what are you doing around here? He actually demanded it. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know you, David, your pride and your deceit. David, you just want to come out here and see the battle. Eliab, the oldest brother, looks at his young brother David and says, go, 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 go to your little sheep. What are you doing over here with the grown men? Get out of here. So what do we see already? We see that David's brothers already ask him, who do you think you are? What are you doing here? Check his brothers. Who do you think you are? So verse 31 says, when David's questions was reported to King Saul, the king of Israel, the king sent for David. And David looks at Saul and says, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go and fight him. So the king looks at little David and says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Come on. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. What is Saul telling David? Who do you think you are? So he goes to his brother, I got this. Who do you think you are? He goes to the king, I got this. Who do you think you are? I wonder if you've ever felt like that. So... 34 and on, David drives Saul crazy. He goes out there, he puts on his gar um, garments on, and he can't walk with them because he's a boy and Saul's huge. Saul's massive. Saul's tall. So he's like, get this stuff off me. I can't even walk. So he goes by the riverbank and he grabs five smooth stones and he walks around with a slingshot. Well, he takes care of sheep. He's got to defend himself from the lions and bears that he's fought with his own hands. And he grabs five stones, put it in his pouch, and he starts to walk towards Goliath. Look at verse 41. So Goliath walks towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy, at this ruddy-faced boy. And Goliath looks at David and says, am I a dog? Then you come at me with a stick, and he cursed David by the name of his gods. And in verse 44, it says, Goliath says, come over here. And I will give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals, Goliath yells. Come on. Who does Goliath say? What does Goliath say to him? Who do you think you are? Right here, I could almost see David. You know what? I'm really getting tired of that question. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but some of us used to fight a lot when we were younger. But you're <laughs> not saying it's me, but you've ever been in a situation? Come on. Say it one more time. And the fool always says it one more time. 
What? And it starts a royal rumble. And David looks at him and says, let me pick up the phone, Goliath. God, I have the right to do this. Goliath, say it one more time. Who do you think you are? He was tired of hearing what other people labeled him as. He was tired of what other people identified him as. He was tired of how other people looked down upon him as. He was tired of being identified as the way they saw him and the way he had to offer. And he was sick of it. And he remembered that there was a time that he was on a porch and he got anointed. And he knew that he wasn't going to die because he needed to fulfill God's word. And God's word does not return void. And he knew that one day he was going to sit on the throne of Israel. So he looks at Goliath. Come on. Say it one more time. And you're going to see not who I think. I am, but I'm going to show you who I know I am. I am the next king that is going to destroy not just you, but all the people of Philistine. Who do you think you are? And I could imagine, I could imagine the devil tempting you every morning when you wake up. And I can imagine your flesh rising up every single day. And I can imagine when you feel like God's been calling you to do something, that that little voice comes into your ear and says, who do you think you are? You really can't do that. You really can't accomplish that. You really can't face that giant. You really can't fix that. You really don't think that there's hope for you, do you? Who do you think you are? And there's got to get to a point where you get sick and tired of what the devil says about you, about what you say about yourself, what your family says about you. Because I know that our families are kind of like a big deal. But I'm going to tell you something. God is a bigger deal than your family. So I don't care if you've been labeled by your family you're labeled by God you're stamped by God not by what other people say about you I'm tired of looking at young girls and, and young men and I'm tired of looking at marriages and I'm tired of even looking at adults that are still living according to what the family says they are and who the heck gave them the power to say that's who you are I'm going to tell you something there's someone greater than grandma there's someone greater than dad there's someone greater than mom there's someone greater than the person that you lay with every day and his name is Jesus Christ and he says something different about you who do you think I am? I'm going to tell you who I think I am. I'm going to swing this rock. I'm going to hit you in the head. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to grab you by your locks. I'm going to turn around and scream and say, victory. That's who I am. Who do I think I am? How dare you ask me that? Everyone was against David. His brothers. His father. His king, come here, his enemy. Everyone was against him. But his identity wasn't shaped and wasn't changed due to their identity of him or their view of him. Because you know what was awesome about David? He did not view himself the way others viewed him. The mistake that we make. The error that we fall to. And I'm sure he was fixed on what the Lord said about him. I am sure that his identity was never in himself, but it was always on the Lord. You know how I know that? Let's go to the famous verses. Here it is. So David looks at him and says, come on. Say it one more time. I just got a phone call. So David looks at the Philistine and he says, you come to me with sword, with spear, with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> he doesn't even talk about himself. <laughs> He's like, I know you're better than me. I know you look bigger than me. I know you're more muscular than me. I know you're a man of war. I've read about you in all the magazines. You're on the front news or cover. I've seen you on ESPN highlights. I get it, man. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're wiser, you're tougher than me. I get it. But let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't fight alone. I come to you not in the name of David and what I've done and what I can do and what I can give you and what I'm, a, what I'm qualified for. I come to you in the name of the Lord and that is just all I need because I don't come to you to tell you who I think I am. I'm coming to you in the name of the one who says this is who I am. Come on, someone. So David says, you come to me with sword, spirit, javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. What is he saying? You come to me with earthly weapons, but I come to you with a spiritual weapon, and his name is just enough for me. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, I fight this fight. 
I don't need a knife. I don't need a gun. I don't need a sword. I don't need a nunchucks. I'm telling you, I'm walking right up to you, and I'm coming with my weapon. My greatest weapon is I come to you in the name of the Lord. Because you want to know something? I've learned that guns don't make everyone's knees drop. I've learned that a knife doesn't make everyone's knees drop. I've learned that a gun in someone's head doesn't make them people confess what they want them to confess. But I've learned in scripture that there is one name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty. So when you come in the name of the Lord, that's just enough weapon for you to fight whatever it is that's asking you. Who do you think you are? Well, let me tell you who my God is. That's who I think I am. Man, I really hope you get this, guys. I feel like preaching for five more hours because I feel like you're not getting it. And that's what David is saying. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel. He comes with armies. You think I'm one person? You think I'm 12 years old only? You think I'm sunburned, cute, with light eyes? You think all I do is take care of sheep? You think all I do is watch goats? You think all I do is sing songs about sheep and goats in the field? You think all I do is walk up to you with a slingshot and a pouch with five rocks? You think that's all I am? Let me tell you who I am. I come to you with armies. The armies of the Lord of heaven's armies. And the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you've defiled. So today the Lord was going to conquer you. He's not even saying might, will, think about it. No, 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 no. Today the Lord will conquer you. <laughs> and I will kill you. And I will cut off your head. Because I want to make it nice. And as I cut off your head... I'm going to give the dead bodies of your men to the birds of wild animals. So I'm not just going to kill you. But because you brought your posse with you. And you brought your whole gang. And you brought your whole crew. Well, my crew is going to take care of your crew. And my army is going to take care of your army. And we're not just going to defeat you. But now because you messed with our God. Our God and his armies are coming to all of you. We're knocking at your house today. You thought, Goliath, that when you came here this morning and you ate your fried eggs and you dipped the, your cafe con le, the, the, the tostada and the cafe con leche, you walked up and you said, today I'm going to defeat Israel and we're going to go to war and beat up those scrawny people. But what you never considered, Goliath, was that when you walked to this field today, God was never going to give us to you. You walked into your death. You walked into your black hole. You walked into the place with the wrong question, who do you think you are? Because today when you walk into your death, you're going to recognize Goliath. That it doesn't matter who you look at me as. And it doesn't matter what even that king over there that I'm fighting for, what he says I am. And as a matter of fact, Goliath, I'm tired of hearing you say that. Because my brothers have been telling me that since I've been drenched with oil. And I'm getting kind of tired of this. So I'm going to tell you who I am. And I'm about to tell you who you are. I am the servant of the Lord Most High. And that's enough for me. And you are the one who the servant of the Most High will conquer. And I know that there are some of you that need to look into the mirror and answer the question, who do you think you are? And start answering it correctly so you can walk into the field that the Lord has given you. Not so that you can have be defeated over, but so that you can have victory over. And you look at those giants and you look at those enemies and say, I'm tired of the same old crap Every single day. Who do I think I am? I belong to Jesus Christ. That's who I am. You've walked into your battle and to your death. It's time. You know, we worship today. I said, scream it. Some of you couldn't scream it. Let's be real. You know why? Because it was hard to worship for you. Because of how you view yourself. But when you start to see how God views you, there's a scream in you. There's a yell in you. There's a worship in you. Oh, it's in there. So I'm going to give all the wild animals your bodies. And the whole world, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But now with the sword and now with the spear, this is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. Goliath, can I ask you a question? What is it, scrawny little runt? Who do you think you are now? That's awesome. Church, know who you are in Christ. 
know who you are. 1 John 4 says, verse 16 says, So we've come to know and we've come to believe that the Lord God, what he has for us. And God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Who do I think I am? I am the dwelling place of the Most High God. God tabernacles inside of me. And you're going to have the audacity to ask, who do I think I am? Church, God wants to abide, to live, to dwell, to take shelter. He loves you. And here is something important to understand. Because he loves you and your identity is found in him, God wants to lavish all the fullness of heaven on you. And out of his goodness, he wants to do that. That does not mean that you will not have difficult times. Listen, David had to still go to the field. David still had to talk to his enemy. David still had to draw out his stuff. But don't ever think that God has not and will not give you the victory, though he still does call you to the field. Because so many Christians are like, well, I don't want to go to the field. I'll stay in bed and God, you fight my field. No, no, God's like, no, I still want you to show up and watch what I do. He does promise that he will use everything for our good in Romans 8.28. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 says this. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? So here's the key. There's a love that God has for us. And there's blessings that he gives us. And it's not based on our accomplishments or what we are qualified for and in. Not even on our own behavior. We start to learn that through scripture that we are righteous. Someone say I'm righteous. We start to learn through scripture that I am qualified. Someone say I'm qualified. I wish you would believe that. I'm righteous and I'm qualified for every good gift. Because my identity and your identity is found in Jesus. Romans 8.17, we are co-heirs. We sit in places with him. I'm going to ask you to stand today with me. Church, who do you think you are? Let's ask the other one. What do you think about yourself? The answer today should be, well, Pastor, let me answer it by saying this. I'm going to tell you who God says I am from now on. Lord, you know who needed this today. Lord, you know who needed this. You know that there's someone here that says, Man, I needed to know. That this is not the end for me. That this is not who I'll always be. That I'm not limited by my thoughts of myself. But that there's something else that the Lord sees in me. And what matters is what God says. When someone looks at me again and says, who do, I th who do you think you are? Oh, man. That from now on, that question would mean something totally different. Because at the end of the day, Lord, I get it. It doesn't matter who I think I am. From now on, oh God, I pray that I'll never forget. That I will answer that and say, well, let me tell you who God says I am. Because, Lord, that's enough. Because, Lord, I might not be Eliab. I might not be the strongest one. I might not be the biggest and the greatest one I might not be the smartest one the wisest one I might not be the one that is the most creative I might not be the one that is the most loving at times I, I might not be the one that everyone wants me to be I might not be the one that everyone says I must become to achieve what I long to achieve. I might not be that person and I might never find my strength to ever be that person. But Lord, I get it today. I am someone better. I am the one. 
that you say I am. And let me live in that truth, oh God. And let that truth never leave me. Who do you think you are? Oh man, I could answer that with pages and pages and pages of words because I'm going to write the whole Bible on those pages and I'm going to tell you who God says I am. I might not be qualified outwardly. Oh, but God has qualified me inwardly. I might not have all the traits exteriorly. God sees I long for those traits in my heart. So who do I think I am? Is actually answered by, well, let me start off by telling you who God says I am. I'm David. I'm the runt out in the field that doesn't look like there's much to offer. But when you search deep down in, God, I know that you would draw out of me draw out of me things that I didn't even know were in there. There's a warrior in there. They're going to sing songs about me. Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. They're going to make hit records about David now. They're going to make statues of David now. They're actually going to call the Messiah the son of David now. Goliath, you ask me who I think I am? The God of this universe will come from my seed one day. That's who I think I am. And they will call him the son of David. Can you imagine that? On the field with the sheep and with the goat, one day someone comes up to him and says, one day people will call the son of God the son of David. Come on. Who do I think I am? Who does God say I am? Let's worship the Lord. Because I would be surprised if every single person here would not say, Rigo, this message was for me. I needed to hear this. And I'm sure almost every single person relates. So the altar is open for every person. So ready? There it is. Give your heart to God. Say, Lord, the altar is open right here. Make me who you say I am. Church, worship Who him for a few minutes.